called, but few are chosen. It's a calling, you know, the one you can't ignore. The one that creeps up at your door at 2 a.m. and reminds you to study for your human anatomy quiz, do it for. Welcome to Melanin in Healthcare. I am your host, Ivy, and on this podcast, we strategically give resourceful strategies to implement into your journey as a pre-med or med student. Before we begin, make sure you are following our Instagram at Melanin in Healthcare. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1, Postback versus Masters. Which one is better for your personal journey and why? Before we begin, I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios, and by the time we're done explaining the differences between Postback and Masters, we're going to answer the questions, we're going to answer the scenario questions based upon the facts given. Scenario 1, Natalie has been a registered nurse for five years. She now has the desire to go to med school, but she hasn't been to school in a long time. Which path should she take? Scenario two, Justin, a recent graduate at Clark Atlanta, aspires to be a physician scientist with a concentration in cancer research. He has a wonderful GPA and MCAT score, but he has absolutely no research under his belt to even apply to the MD-PhD programs. Which route should he take? Scenario three, Ryan has just graduated with a 3.7 science GPA. However, his MCAT was not so impressive. He, however, has over 200 hours of volunteer clinical and he even did a study abroad trip to Italy his sophomore year as a medical volunteer. He says he only wants to get additional training to improve his resume. Which route should he take? If you fall into one of those categories, or you simply just want additional information about postback and masters, keep listening, and by the end of this episode, we will explain each scenario and which route each one of them should take. First, let's talk about postback, and then we can talk about master's programs. According to the Association of, a Medical, of American Medical Colleges, about 25% of students take up a postback program. There are about 230 programs on the AAMC website. Nonetheless, a postback is designed to help you obtain information in pre-health science courses such as biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, and biochemistry. A postback program is generally within the time ranges of one to three years. Some postback programs offer certificates, while others count as a master's degree. You simply want to do your research on each school to see which one works best for your situation. If you like what you hear so far, make sure you are following at Melanin in Healthcare on Instagram for more weekly episodes. Listed below are reasons you should get a postback. Number one, your undergraduate GPA is below a 3.4. If you have below a 3.4 science GPA, you should consider entering a postback program because most medical schools, whether it's DO or MD, require that you have at least a 3.4 or in some even higher. It will be very difficult to get into med school with anything less than a 3.4. Yes, there are exceptions to the rule, but remember that the exceptions are never the rule. Number two, if you have not taken your prerequisites for medical school that you need, then you need to take a postback. 
Number three, if your MCAT and GPA are below the score that your desired schools range, if you have a 3.0 GPA and a 496 on the MCAT, you might want to consider a post bed. Number four, if you are a career changer, if at first you wanted to be a teacher or a lawyer or even a graphic designer and you have decided that you no longer have those desires and instead want to become a physician, a postback program is certainly for you. Postback five postback programs to look into include Columbia University. Columbia University offers students MCAT preparation, volunteer work, and wonderful advising. Number two, John Hopkins University, one of the very popular postback programs, which is a one-year health science program that offers medical school linkages to universities such as Boston University School of Medicine, Brown University, George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Science, and New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine, and many, many more. Number three, Keck Graduate Institute, which offers a wonderful MCAT review course, mentorship, practice with interview process, clinical and shadowing opportunities, research opportunities, and much, much more. George Washington, number four, George Washington University. Their postback program is about a one to two years, and it's designed for career changers. And number five, Charles Drew University Medicine and Science, which prides itself in its rigorous academic courses for students who have a cumulative GPA of 3.0 in undergraduate, a maximum of one unsuccessful medical school rejection cycle. Their program includes MCAT prep courses, research opportunity, and hands-on clinical experience and much, much more. So, when is the right time to apply to post-bag programs? Generally, each program has its own set of deadlines. Students can become can begin applying in August of the year before, and the deadline is generally ends in March. However, check with each program you are interested in for specific deadlines. What is the process of applying? Generally, you have to write a personal essay and receive a few letters of recommendations and submit your transcript. Key things to look into for programs based upon your individual needs concerning postbacks. Number one, if you have a desire to retake the MCAT, then you want to find a program that is geared toward MCAT prep programs. Number two, medical linkages, also known as pipeline programs. Some postbacks are what you call pipeline schools. One popular example is John Hopkins University. They have a medical school linkage postback program which states on their website that students who enter into their program can apply to only one of their participating medical schools because those schools have agreed to give special opportunities to students completing the postback program. The pros of this options are that you may have a better chance of getting into medical school. The con is that you can only apply to one of their medical schools that are affiliated with the postback program. So, you know, it's a 50-50 chance, but you pick your type of poison you want to take, metaphorically speaking. I would like to put a disclaimer and debunk a myth that just because you attend a postback linkage program does not automatically mean you will be selected into their medical school. You must meet other requirements as well.
number three some postbacks require you to maintain a certain GPA, so be very mindful of that. I know that while researching this, many of the postbacks require that you keep a 3.7 GPA or higher to even be considered on the medical school linkages programs. Number four, look at your desired school's percentage rate of how many students actually get into medical school. You want to look at the attrition rate to determine, okay, if I choose this program, they have a 90% chance of students getting into medical school. Whereas if I choose this program, they have a 50% chance. So clearly you want to choose the one that has the 90% unless you're a daredevil or a risk taker. Number five, geographical location. Perhaps you would like to stay on the West Coast or East Coast or down South. If you have a specific location, then narrow the schools down based upon that as well. Number six, to strengthen your application. Maybe you don't have enough volunteer hours or shadow hours, or maybe you were a straight-A student, but you have absolutely no extracurricular activities. This one- to three-year span will allow you the opportunity to obtain community service, volunteer, and even shadowing hours, depending on the area. Number seven, be mindful of the costs. Postbacks are very, very expensive. Some allow you to take financial aid and some will require out-of-pocket or parent loans. So be very, very mindful of that. And number eight, some programs are a little more structured while others have a bit of a do-it-yourself program. You have to decide based upon your own discipline, this requires a true level of honesty, which one works for you before you make the commitment to do that program. On the other hand, a master's program is an advanced education as well. It is considered graduate school, meaning that once you have completed your master's degree, you now have an accumulated a graduate GPA. One strikingly known difference between a postbac and a master's program is that the postbac program goes into your undergraduate GPA, whereas a master's program has its own GPA. Keep in mind that when you're applying to medical school, they are looking first at your undergraduate GPA and then your graduate GPA. According to the American Medical Association of Medical Colleges, 25% of students in pursued a postgraduate program after undergraduate. Whether you have plans to become an orthopedic surgeon or a family medicine physician, pursuing a master's degree is great for future physicians who have research interests or a career slash desire for public health administration. To be clear, this is a path to take not the path to take. There are many, many routes that you may take. Here are reasons you should get a master's degree. Number one, to obtain research skills. Receiving a master's degree allows one to obtain research opportunities which will benefit the 50% of applicants who express their desire to pursue research during their medical training. Number two, to build networking skills. Establishing networking connections is vital. Having the right professors and mentors could open up the door for many students to publish their work and even take their research to a notorious level. 
Number three, it's great for students who wish to become a physician sciences. A master's program in areas such as genetics, immunology, and even physiology prepares students to become experts in that area. Generally, students who want to become a physician scientist have to obtain additional training outside of four-year medical school. Generally, physician scientist programs, aka MD slash PhD programs last up to seven to eight years and generally what happens depending on the school is some allow you to do two years of medical school and then you do your four years of research and then after that you complete your last two and then there are other programs who do four years of medical school and four years of research it just depends on the program but back to master's Number four, you have a desire for a career in or based upon public health administration and public health policy. Key things to look into if you're getting or considering a master's degree. Number one, if the only thing that is setting you back is a low MCAT score, a master's program will not necessarily benefit you. What will benefit you more is a post-bac or simply taking a year off, gaining more clinical and volunteer experience, and then studying for the MCAT. Number two, master's programs and special master's programs are slightly different. Some special master's program includes opportunities within the program to receive clinical experience, volunteer opportunities, and even MCAT preparation. Some would say that a special master's program is simply a post-bac program that you receive a degree with like the John Hopkins Master of Science of Health Science one-year program. Number three, a master's program does not guarantee medical acceptance. It's simply one path to take, not the path to take. Number four, only pursue a master's program if you have a specific plan. For instance, if you have a love for public policy, a master's degree is 100% beneficial. But if you want to master in anthropology or foreign histology, it wouldn't really benefit you and would simply be a waste of money considering the fact that you are interested in becoming a physician. Number five, master's programs, just like postbacs, are very, very expensive. Take this into consideration when you're applying to them. Number six, yes, they do boost your resume for med school, but that should not be the only reason you are taking this route. There are many less cost-efficient ways to boost your application without having to go into thousands of dollars worth of debt. Number seven, sometimes the special master's program may not work in your favor. A lot of times the GPA requirement may look easy before applying and then once you get into the program that 3.7 GPA may be hard for you to maintain meaning your acceptance rates becomes lower and lower. If this happens you will most likely have to do another program and the cycle continues on and on. Remember there are exceptions to the rule but the exception is never the rule. Number eight. Make sure you are reading the fine print when applying to a master's program. Either they, sometimes schools will post the fine print on the website and sometimes you simply have to call the admissions to ask them certain questions because some things are closer than they appear. Number nine, 
When I was a freshman, I'd toured Meharry Medical College, and one thing that stuck out to me was when the guy who gave us a tour said, I had a student ask me, should I get a master's degree in chemistry, or should I apply straight to medical school? And the tour guide's response was, well, do you want to become a chemist, or do you want to become a doctor? The student said he had no desire to be a chemist, and he simply wanted to build up his resume. The tour guide told us that medical schools can tell when you're just trying to fill up the boxes on the application and when you're actually dedicated to the work that you have done. Don't be the guy who is trying to fill up the boxes because the personal statement will be a little harder to write because the message is not as genuine as it should be. Keep in mind, some master's programs require that you take the GRE. If possible, try to apply to programs that do not require the GRE just to make it easier on yourself. Now that we have discussed the differences between a master's and a post-bac program, let's answer the scenario questions that we have talked about in the beginning of the episode. The first scenario stated, Natalie has been a registered nurse for five years. She now has a desire to go to medical school, but she hasn't been to school in a long time. Which path should she take? Well, based upon the fact that a postback is suited towards career changes, Natalie will have a better chance pursuing a postback rather than a master's degree. Scenario 2. Justin, a recent graduate at Clark Atlanta, aspires to be a physician scientist with a concentration in cancer research. He has a wonderful GPA and MCAT score, but he has absolutely no research under his belt even applied to the MD-PhD programs. Which route should he take? As stated before, a master's program will help further enhance desires to develop research opportunities. A postback may not give him that same opportunity. Scenario 3. Ryan has just graduated with a 3.7 science GPA. However, his MCAT was not so impressive. He, however, has over 200 hours of volunteer and clinical experience, and he even did a study abroad trip to Italy his sophomore year as a medical volunteer. He says he only wants to get additional training to improve his resume. Which route should he take? If he wants to just improve his resume, neither options would benefit him. Resume building over quality application builders are not the best route to take and medical schools can sense that a mile away. It's very similar to the example I gave with the student of wanting to get a master's degree in chemistry and him not really wanting to be a chemist but really wanting to fill in the application. In both scenarios, it will be harder for application, medical application admissions process to take you serious because they're realizing that you're just filling the box rather than being genuine. His best option in scenario three is to take a year off, invest in MCAT prep course or self-study and focus on that and then reapply the next cycle. Here is a bonus scenario. Michelle has completed her undergraduate 10 years ago and took the MCAT. But along the way, she got married and had a family and now she has children that are growing up. She is ready to put herself first and go to medical school. Which route should she take? 
In this scenario, there are many different paths she can take. Perhaps she can brush up on her sciences and take courses at a community college and retake the MCAT. Furthermore, she can go the post-bac route because although she isn't a career changer, she simply doesn't have the experience to get straight into medical school considering the fact that her degree is from 10 years ago. To gain more experience, she could also get a master's degree and then take the MCAT. Either way works in her situation. You see, there is no one path. Each path is based upon your individual journey. This is one way, not the way. To conclude, a postback is great for career changers and low GPA students, while a master's is an advanced graduate degree for students interested in public health, public policy, and research. Remember that there is no race. Your path is one path, not the path. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Melanin in Healthcare. M E L A N I N N Healthcare. And share this with your friends. Thank you so much for watching season two, episode one of Melanin in Healthcare, where we talked about the postback versus masters. For more education, inspiration, and motivation, stay tuned for episode number two, which will be aired next Thursday.